going on? I hope you guys are having a good day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people, and also the Black Financial Channel where we're simulcasting. I, I see a lot of you are excited about today's conversation. Today, uh, we get a chance to talk about black faces in high places. <laughs> yes, Lord Jesus, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about some some interesting topics here. And let me just tell you this: um, the two brothers that are here today are distinguished scholars. Uh, these are the types of men that should be uh better known than your your average rapper uh we don't we tend to hide our our really intelligent black men that are doing great things you know they, they but uh in this space we don't do that and so uh <clears throat> without further ado i'd like to introduce uh these brothers one by one uh dr randall pinkett he's the uh chairman and ceo of bct partners and uh you also might know him he was on the apprentice years ago right is that right did i get that right, right, right. yeah and uh, he, he did a pretty, pretty, he had a pretty infamous couple scenes with Amarosa. Uh, and at some point, I want to ask you about that, man, because I, I still remember being, I, I don't remember what the scene was exactly, but I remember being real mad at her in that moment. And I'd like to get your, some of your thoughts on that a little bit later. And also, uh, we also have Dr. Jeffrey Robinson from Rutgers University. Now, Dr. Robinson is the Prudential Chair in Business uh, at Rutgers. He's also uh, the Academic Director of the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship. And so I want to uh, say hello to Dr. Robinson. How are you doing today, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. All right. Great to, great to see you. Great to see you. All right. So everybody in here, uh, say hello to these brothers as as, uh, as you come into the chat. <clears throat> and also, please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Share, subscribe, all that stuff. You know what it is. We're building black media over here, and uh, we'd love your support. All right. So let me just start from the beginning. Uh, so the title of your book, you guys wrote a book together called Black Faces in High Places. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, that title really uh, got my attention. I thought it was a, I thought it was a brilliant title. And, uh, and it looked to me like it was kind of an application to uh, what well, in our play, in our space, we call it the corporate plantation, you know, <laughs> you know, in terms of just the, the challenges that black folks go through uh, when they're trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to get to the top, trying to break through the glass ceilings. Uh, so, so I guess I'll start with you, Dr. Pinkett. Uh, tell us a little bit about this book. Absolutely. And, 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 as you said, the, the name of the book should sound familiar because the phrase has some history. Uh, Mary McLeod Bethune once said, my people will never be satisfied until they see black faces in high places. Subsequent to that, there was a book called Black Faces in High Places, subtitle Negroes in Government. That's how dated <laughs> that book was. Uh, Dr. Robinson and I, recognizing that the conversation about black leadership is heightened in the moment that we're in, in 2022, we decided to reclaim this phrase in some ways and to put our own spin on what it means to us. And I'll simplify it by saying this, for us to be a black face in a high place is to acknowledge two things. First, that you stand on the shoulders of giants. So you have an obligation to be a giant so others can stand on your shoulders. Don't forget where you came from and who sacrificed for you to be there. And second, there are three words we use in the book, Dr. Boyce, which you'll appreciate. You must be authentic. You must be unapologetic. On your shoulders. And you must be strategic. Mm -hmm. So when you embody those three characteristics, authentic, unapologetic, and strategic about how you pull the levers at your disposal for the benefit of our community, 
understanding that if you're not pulling those levers, somebody's pulling levers for their community. And that's the essence of this book. And Dr. Robinson can say more about mm. kind of what motivated us, but that gives you a quick and simple overview of, of what is the spirit of this book. Wow. Okay. So authentic, everybody in the chat, type, type some of these words in for us. So uh, it, it maybe type the one that means the most to you. Authentic, unapologetic, and strategic. I like that. I like that. Uh, so, so it's like SAU. That's how I like to remember stuff with acronyms. So I see SAU: strategic, authentic, unapologetic. So you got to have the sauce. You got to have the sauce because you know a lot of our leaders ain't got no sauce. <laughs> a, lot our, a lot of our you know so-called leaders. I mean, when you said that word apologetic, Doctor Robinson, when I heard unapologetic, I thought about just in public how often we see black men in particular apologizing for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll name some examples that, that maybe don't necessarily fit in the corporate space, but kind of do because these guys have corporate relationships and it was the corporate relationships that led to the apologies. I think about Nick Cannon and when Nick Cannon uh, did a couple of interviews that were a little bit racy, um, he was apologizing. Then he re-apologized and he re-apologized. And I know a lot of people in our space were just pissed off. Like, why do you have to apologize eight times? Just apologize once, keep it moving or don't apologize at all. Another example was um, Snoop Dogg got real upset about something with Gail King. And he said some things that I, I at that time I said, it's, it's inappropriate. He shouldn't have said what he said, but then he was apologizing and apologizing, apologizing, and apologizing. And I think that there are a lot of people who feel, and they were, why were they apologizing? Why? Well, because somebody's pulling the purse strings. It's about mm-hmm. that money, it's about those corporate things. Right. So I think uh, Dr. Robinson, that there are just some people in our community who are just tired of us always apologizing, always, you know, almost like you're apologizing just for being black. Uh, can you kind of speak to some of that? And then also your spin on, on the book and why you participate in things like that. Sure, sure. So, you know, when we were thinking in the book, you know, what, what makes the black faces in high places, um, you know, an important sort of phrase, you know, most of the time people think about it in a negative sense. They think about uh, people who have gotten to the top and then forgot where they came from. Um, or that, you know, we say things like the black faces in high places aren't doing enough for the community. And so when we talk about being unapologetically black, we're talking about people who say, yeah, I am a black man, I am a black woman, and I have a community that I come from, and I, I have no problem directing resources to that community to, for the betterment of the community. You don't, you, know, you don't have to apologize. There's other folks who come to the table, and they make um, their statements about how they're going to contribute to their communities. And we, as black people, sometimes we, 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 we kind of cower from those moments. And that's not, that's not proper. That's not that's not what's going to make us as a as a people to progress either. Um, you know, Dr. Pinkett said it already. Um, if if uh, other folks in other communities are advocating for their for their uh, their resources, for their foundations, for their schools, for their um, nonprofit organizations, uh, for their businesses, for that matter, uh, why aren't we doing it for ourselves? Uh, and so that's that's where we're coming from when we talk about being unapologetic. Uh, we mm-hmm. want you to be strategic too, though. And so the subtitle of the book is 10 Strategic Actions to Reach the Top and to Stay There. Uh, And let me say it again. It's 10 Strategic Actions for Black Professionals to Reach the Top and Stay There. We are real specific about that. Once again, unapologetic about who our audience is and what we're trying to do. So uh, there's a lot in that, right? There's a lot in that about um, moving up that ladder. But I don't want people to think the book is only targeted at um, the corporate folks, folks who are in, uh, in, in corporations, because uh, we spend at least half of our time talking about entrepreneurship. 
systems change, transforming systems. Um, we talk about how, how we can be more structured, strategic about giving back uh, to our community and to worthy causes. Uh, you know, we talk about how to support um, social entrepreneurs um, who are doing, doing things directly to impact our community in positive ways. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's multiple layers there. But if you are in corporate, yeah, you, there's something here for you. And, um, and we're also putting um, a marker down and saying, here's some things you need to be doing to be an entrepreneur inside of a corporation, directing some of those resources and opportunities to uh, our people. Well, I like that. You know, one thing I like about the book, Dr. Pinkett, is and what I really like about our discussion, you know, because I, I have so much respect for both of you guys, is um, is it, it, it's it's nice to see these bridges being built. Um, and, may, and maybe we're not the first generation to do it, but these bridges being built between <clears throat> those who have just rejected the, the establishment and those who are working with the establishment and getting things done, you know, and um, and I know that. And I like the way Dr. Robinson, I like the way you highlighted the fact that the book isn't just for black professionals. Right. Sure. If you're a professional, you can use these strategies and it, it will help you. But it sounds to me like, uh, Dr. Pinkett, you're also talking about uh, not just climbing the ladder, but even building ladders or maybe being in spaces where uh, where let's say it's just black folks dealing with black folks and you are a leader. There's a lot of strategy that comes into that. Uh, and, and maybe we don't talk about that enough. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You hit the nail on the head, uh, Dr. Boyce. This book is actually a sequel. I sometimes call it the remix. <laughs> uh, our, our first book together was Black Faces in White Places. And in that context, we were focused specifically on environments where you see very few representations of us. You're the only one or one of the only few. This book is focused specifically on the differences in when you're trying to get to the top and when you arrive at the top. And as you know, when you're in a position of leadership, decision-making, authority, and power, it's a different set of challenges and expectations than when you're trying to get there. And I'll say it differently, that if you don't know who you are before you become a black face in a high place, it is too late. Because metaphorically, the winds of change and the seas of pressure are more violent, more uh, disruptive, more uh, aggressive, as you go higher and higher in your career, that if you don't know who you are, that is kind of your, your anchor, and you don't know what direction you're going, that's your compass, those winds and seas will easily blow you off course. Mm. And so we begin the book, as Dr. Robinson mentioned, off these 10 strategic actions, but they're cumulative, meaning strategic action number one is the foundation of all 10 of the strategic actions, and that is self-determination. Self-determination is knowing who you are, your anchor, knowing where you're going, your compass. Because if you don't have that down before you arrive, you're in trouble. Mm. I, I, I like that a lot. And um, and in case anybody wants to know, I mean, this is why, I mean, I, I just, I'm just getting to know Dr. Robinson. But uh, I, I like Dr. Robinson because he was a friend of Dr. Pinkett's. And also we have another mutual friend, Dr. Lakita Blockson, uh, that I've known for a long time. And, and, it's, and, and, and the reason I say that is because you know, when I first met you, Dr. Pinkett, I remember thinking, I wonder, you know, I, I don't, I, what, what what kind of brother is he? You know what I mean? You think that with everybody, you, you just don't know, you know, you don't know if, um, if, if it's a person who has become successful by completely rejecting the black community, 
or if it's a person who's been able to, as you mentioned, find that anchor. And and hearing that anchor statement you just made, uh, I love that because it really explains that, you know, you get in this world, a lot of people are going to be blowing you in different directions. And if you don't know who you are, then you can end up losing yourself completely. And so, so let me ask this. Um, I, I'll go back to you, Dr. Robinson. So at Rutgers, uh, you are the uh, director of the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship. Now, uh, entrepreneurship is obviously an important topic in the community. You know, that's next to my heart right, for sure. Right. And uh, and I love to, I look forward to learning more about the kind of work you're doing there. Um, how do you feel? Let, let's say that let, let's apply this book to entrepreneurs. Um, how might an entrepreneur use some of the strategies in your book in order to be a more effective leader? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and so just to put it in context, in the book, we we have um, uh, you know three, you know, we have four different sections of the book. Uh, we call them four different levels. And the third level is all about um, being entrepreneurial. Uh, it's using that entrepreneurship uh, mindset, that entrepreneurial mindset to to make uh, make the difference. Now, if you're inside a company, yeah, entrepreneurship. Um, I'll hold that topic for another time. But the other part, of course, the other part of that coin is the the entrepreneur who creates something, uh, whether it's for a purpose or whether it's for a profit. Either way, um, you're you're creating something. So we you know we talk a bit about the creation part. We did a bit of that in our first book. In this book, we go to the master class. We say, well, what's next? Um, because we got a whole lot of folks who have the the small business with only a couple of people, maybe only themselves as an employee. And we, no doubt that's a great starting point. But how do we move our mindsets also from small business to business enterprise? Uh, how do we move from being um, a social entrepreneur who created one one entity to something that can be um, scaled up across the country to actually affect system change? Um, and we got some great stories, great stories about entrepreneurs who took ideas um, and scaled them up to multi-million and even billion-dollar businesses. We've interviewed Kathy Hughes and Bob Johnson and really try, tried to understand a bit more about what they do. And I think that if there's one thing I would say to the entrepreneurs in the audience that I think will interest them from the book is that we, 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 we chart out a path, um, a path that we've taken. I mean, Dr. Pinkett has led a company, BCT Partners, from our dorm room. I was one of the co-founders. From our dorm room, to being on the Black Enterprise 100, you know, from uh, making a few hundred dollars to now uh, $26 million and making the list of Black Enterprise uh, 100, Inc., 5,000, um, and, and still growing. And notice he didn't even smile when you said that because the brother's that focused and serious. <laughs> he got that Tiger Woods face. I'm talking about pre pre 09 Tiger Woods, not not the post. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead, please. <laughs> no, but you're right because he's already thinking about the next the next part. So how do you get there? So we looked at the patterns. We needed to know it for ourselves, but we also needed to be able to to, to help people understand how you do the the joint ventures, how you do the acquisitions and the mergers, how you think about. Um, uh, putting together the consortiums and the co coalitions to make it happen, whether that is for making uh, the next million and 10 million and 100 million dollars, uh, or maybe it's for uh, affecting 100,000 black youth in America um, or mm -hmm. more. You know, that those are the kinds of that's the kind of scale and, and thinking that we need. Uh, so that's that's where we're, we're that's where we're at. That's where we're coming from. Um, mm -hmm. So strategic action eight and nine deal with both thinking and acting like an entrepreneur and um, transforming systems. That's where we've got to be. 
That's yeah. what we got in the book. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll add, because you referenced the interviews with Bob Johnson and Kathy Hughes. And I, I think we tell a story in the book, Dr. Boyce, that has not been told, which is we came to find out from their respective perspectives that at one point BET and Radio One were going to merge into a single company. I had no idea. Bob told the story, Kathy told the story. And as you know, that would have been an unprecedented integration of two black owned media giants. If you wanted to advertise for black people, television, radio, et cetera, you'd have had to go to this merged entity. And to make a long story short, what upended the merger, which was written up, legal contracts, ready to sign, ready to consummate, what upended it? Egos. Boys, you I call that the Kobe, the Kobe Shaq problem. You there know, you, you go. Championships and you can't get along. Go ahead, please continue. Oh, exactly. And, you know, all the discussions about who's going to run it and for how long and who's reporting to who, and they could not get that deal to the finish line. And wow. Bob Johnson said, and he may or may not be right. He says, I don't know of any major black owned companies that have ever consummated a merger of, which, of, of that scale. And it only speaks to this idea that for us to grow our enterprises, it's not some external force that may be holding us back. It may be us. And the more we can humble ourselves, like Dr. Robinson and I and our two partners, the four of us, I call New Edition with no Bobby Brown. We've been together for 30 years in business since college when we were 21. I just turned 51 on Saturday. Well, humble yourself. Humble yourself. New edition with no Bobby Brown. Amen. What kind of a great group would that be? That's I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Well, everybody, in case you just came in, I'm talking with uh, Dr. Randall Pinkett, who's the chairman and CEO of BCT Partners. Also, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rand Robinson, Dr. Jeffrey Robinson, Jeffrey Robinson, who is the president or uh, prudential chair of business and uh, at Rutgers University and the academic director of the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship. If you could take one second, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. And I want to remind everybody, don't forget that uh, you can go to the Black Business School. We have a lot of great stuff happening there uh, right now. So if you're interested, uh, please feel free to take a look at voicewalkins.com. The URL is on the screen. All right. So let me uh, let me let me go to go to you, Dr. Pinkett, with this question then. Um, you know, we you and I met each other through a, a guy that's just, you know, one of the greatest human beings in the history of this planet, in my opinion, Dr. George C. Frazier. And uh, and he runs his power networking conference every year. And I know how honored I've been to be a part of that. And going back to what you said about ego, um, I was really impressed with uh, at least a couple of things with Dr. Frazier, which are probably connected, which one is his obvious, ex obvious extraordinary skill in networking. And, I, and I've just seen the power that accrues with the ability to uh, understand the, the, the power of doing things together, you know, just, just how, how great you can be when you work together. Um, and, uh, and that's something I encourage everybody to pay attention to, how you form relationships, how you get along with other people, so important. And, uh, and I think it's important to state that because we have so much that it, we're seeing in media that is built on that ego that you refer to. And that actually links to the second piece. Dr. Frazier is, also impressed me with the level of humility that he has in forming those relationships. Uh, he understands that relationship building is 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 about sort of like when he talks to people, he makes it about you, not about himself, you know. And uh, and and I just think, and, and again, and that's also strategic, right? And in, in the sense of saying, look, if I can make this a win-win for everybody, that we can all have great relationships and support each other, and, and we're doing that. 
right? You know, we're, we're supporting each other. Uh, Dr. Frazier and I work together on stuff. And, and it's just great uh, to be in a place where you have black faces in high places, but not big egos coming along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you dig a little deeper into that? Uh, and then, Dr. Robinson, I'd like to get your take on it as well. Uh, but what you said about about sort of removing your ego as much as possible and, and forming those relationships, how important has that been uh, in your enormous success as, as an entrepreneur and as a human being? It's, it's, a, it's a great point, Boyce. Uh, and I got to say, it has been the foundation of our entrepreneurial success. And, and you hit the nail on the head. And Dr. George Frazier is one of the pioneers in the space of networking. And that's, again, that's how you and I met. And, and this idea of leveraging our might and, and how you come to these engagements with more of a servant leader's mindset that says, I'm here to be in service to you. And we talk about the servant leader's mindset in the book. And, and we talk about this African-centered ethos of Ubuntu, this idea that I am because we are. Uh, it's an African humanist philosophy that uh, Nelson Mandela perhaps popularized, but it certainly predated his references to Ubuntu versus the more Eurocentric ethos of I think, therefore I am. More One is an individualistic perspective. One is a more com- community and collectivistic perspective that says I exist only in relation to others. And when I operate from that mindset and that model, I see the interconnectedness that I have with others. I see the responsibility I have to others. And I see the service that I need to be exuding in support of others. And so I think when we get down to the foundation of your mindset and whether you're in it for self or whether you're in it for others, whether you subscribe to, you know, we talk about success and greatness. Success is what you do for yourself. Greatness is what you do for somebody else. If you feel the calling to success, that's a very individually centered mentality. If you feel the calling to greatness, if that's what's pushing you, what's prodding you, what's driving you to be great, to how can I service other people? Then you're down with George Frazier. You're down with Dr. Boyce Watkins and you're down with black faces in, in high places. Man, I, I love that. Uh, somebody say something in the chat and and and, and congratulate these brothers for for the wisdom that's being shared here. So, Dr. Robinson, you know, I um, I, you know, I I appreciate uh, what you guys are talking about with this book uh, because if you go back to having that sauce, what was it uh, being strategic, authentic, and unapologetic? That's right. Uh, you know, and then and then benefiting our community like that. That to me was kind of the uh, that was how we started the conversation about the book. Um, I, I really like that, right? And I and I, I wonder, you know, do you think, Dr. Robinson, that perhaps we could benefit from uh, teaching our young people about the importance of thinking strategically? Um, I, you know, I, I my wife's a uh, therapist, and and uh, she's she's a, a a social work professor. That's her area. So so we get to have these really fun conversations where you imagine, you know, a finance guy talking to you know, a social work scholar, right? right. Where, where she's bringing up all the so, the social side of everything. And I'm sounding like a crazy capitalist, but, but we find we meet in the middle, right? We, we gain an appreciation for, for each of, each of our perspectives. And, and, uh, and then also we talk about things like um, the subconscious mind, you know, and, um, and that's one of our areas of expertise. And one of the things I remember seeing somewhere, and I, and by the way, just so you know, this may not even shape itself into a question. This is like free thought for a moment. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Um, 
I remember reading that they said that black people consume more entertainment than any other group of people. Uh, we also consume more social media than any other group of people. And, uh, and corporations know this. They advertise products to us. And, and when you kneel, read the Nielsen studies, all they say is they, they basically say, if you want to sell products to black people, just know they watch more TV than anybody else. And they'll buy anything that a celebrity endorses. That's literally what they what Nielsen said. So they're talking to these corporations and saying, "Look, if you want to sell stuff to black people, just just put a celebrity on on your laundry detergent, on your cheeseburger, whatever, and they'll buy it." That's what they were saying. This and no black people were in this conversation. They were literally talking about how they can exploit the black community. So when I read uh, it, it, another study that was talking about the um, what what television consumption does to the brain. One thing they said is that it reduces, uh, it impacts your prefrontal cortex, which uh, minimizes your ability to think strategically. Now, where am I getting at with this? I think that there is a lack of, of, of conscious commitment to the idea of teaching our kids to think strategically. And I believe it's costing us big time in terms of wealth, in terms of health, our relationships, uh, you know, everything from dealing with the cops to dealing with corporate America requires strategy or dealing, you know, or dealing with even reproduction. You know, if, if I'm a man and I got all these women running around me, I got to be strategic or I'm going to have babies, mamas and, and chaos in my life. What do you think about what I just said and what comes to mind for, for someone who is smart and strategic like yourself? Oh, you, know, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, we, we need more strategic and critical thinking and, and, and it needs to start young. Um, you know, it's something I struggle with with, with my own children. Um, if you are always watching somebody else, you know, the big thing right now is reaction videos. Literally, they're watching somebody else think <laughs> and say something. I'm like, hold up. We're not going to be watching this for eight hours. No, you got to go do something else. You can read a book because it's a different way to, get to engage your brain, not passive, it's active. We need to be doing more creation. You know, it's the thing we used to talk about, you know, 15, even 15 years ago. How much are we creating? versus consuming, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you can you can look at that in, in very social media context and say, how much are we uh, creating on social media? How many of these companies are owned by us um, or versus how many of us are consuming it and just taking it in in a passive way? So I'm 100% with you. It's something, a theme that we certainly bring through in the brook that uh, st strategic thinking being thoughtful about how you're going to uh, approach your your career, your entrepreneurship, your community building um, is essential. And so you need to have people around you who are also strategic thinkers. The, the, and that that's the other part of this. It's, it's, it's something we've lived, but it's also something we're encouraging these young people, uh, especially those who we're meeting in, in colleges and universities, to look around. Don't just hang out with people because they're fun to be with and, and, and having a great party. Who can you build a business with? Who do you, who will you be going to in five and ten years saying, um, you know, what's my best next move in terms of business or finance? Uh, get with the folks who have some some strategy and some thoughtfulness, because those are the folks who are going to help you and help your community. So it, yeah. it's all part of the same conversation. We, we you know we need more. Of it. It's it's you know, when certainly we want people to buy our book and, and read it. But uh, one of the themes, no matter where you get it is that you have to, have to be critical thinking, you have to be strategic about what you're going to be doing, and we got to work together. Well, I love that a lot. I love that. So, um, uh, by the way, everybody, I'm speaking with uh, Dr. Randall Pinkett, who is the chairman and CEO of BCT Partners. Also, Dr. Jeffrey Robinson, who is the Prudential Chair 
uh, in the School of Business at Rutgers University. Uh, if you could hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe. And I'm going to ask you, brothers, uh, each one more uh, question, and then I'll let you guys get back to your busy day. Uh, we're talking to two bosses and CEOs here. They ain't got time to just be sitting here hanging out on the Internet all day. They got stuff to do, <laughs> money to make, deals to sign. All right. So anyway, let's uh, – and everybody, please uh, give a digital um, – uh, round of applause to these guys because these guys are very successful and I'm super proud of everything you guys are doing. Um, so, uh, Dr. Pink, I'm going to ask you a question. When you, we were talking earlier, you started off the conversation and you talked about strategic, unapologetic, and authentic. And uh, and also you mentioned uh, benefiting uh, our community. Um, and, and I thought about that statement you made and I thought about your background. And I, I realized, I said, oh, that's right. I'm talking to a boss. I'm not, you know, you're, you're not a, you're not an employee. You're not a general manager at, you know, at, at, you know, at, um, I don't know, Google or something like you are the CEO, the buck stops with you. Uh, you have a, a, a lot of, um, leeway to, to be authentic and to decide when you want to apologize and things like that, a lot of power. Um, what do you think about that? Let, let, let's talk about that then in terms of just the general landscape. I mentioned to you guys in the beginning about how so many of our people end up apologizing constantly, almost like apologizing for nothing, even when you didn't do anything wrong. And, uh, and you talked about being unapologetic, uh, being authentic, and then also that, that key part of benefiting the community. Um, where does that fit into your sort of day-to-day -day, uh, philosophy as a leader, uh, as a black man, as a human being, um, especially that part about benefiting the community? Because there's so many people who are in high places who are not benefiting anybody but themselves. How do you draw the line and, and make that difference in your own life? You know, we, in, uh, in the book, uh, we talk about the four F's and the four F's in many ways delineate your options as you progress through your career on this very question of how do you navigate the line, as you described it, Dr. Boyce, the line between how do I effectuate change and how am I also strategic at the same time? The first F is to fight. That is to say, something's not right. I need to do something to change the status quo. So I'm going to fight. And, I'm, and it might involve taking a risk. You know, ask Colin Kaepernick, ask uh, the black coach who sued the NFL. I mean, you're going to take a risk if you, if you take a fight in certain contexts. The second F is to take flight. That is to just run and say, I'm not going to mess with this. I'm going, I'm going, I'm gone. The third F is to forego, to say, you know what? I can't deal with this now because I'm not in a position to do it, but I'm going to get at this later. I promise you when I'm in a better position. And the fourth F is to friend to bring your enemy close to you, to see if we can collaborate to figure out a solution together. We're less prescriptive about what to fight for in the book than we are to say two things. All four options are legitimate as long as one condition is met. At some point in your career, you have to be able to say you fought for something because somebody fought for you. Mm -hmm. If you just go through your life foregoing and friending and, and taking flight and you never fight for anything, then you didn't get the memo that the reason you were there in the first place is because somebody had to take a risk. Somebody had to go out on a limb because in the absence of anyone taking a risk, the status quo will always remain. Progress mm. is predicated on somebody taking a risk. Mm. I like that. So as long as you fight for something, what do you fight for? You know, it's, it's funny, Um, you know, Dr. Robinson, I, I remember when I was um, studying um, one of Obama's Supreme Court justice nominees, Elena Kagan, and um, 
because uh, you know I, I gotten this this call from the White House, and I guess because I had this little podcast, they were like trying to explain to me why she was this great choice for the black community. I didn't agree, and uh, because I, I was sort of like, okay, show. I was looking. I was like, where where does she really fight for black people in her life? And I didn't see any examples. In fact, it was actually kind of sad. I think that out of 32 professors she hired at Harvard, not one of them was black. Not one of them was Native American. Not one was Latino. It was like 29 white males, uh, two white females and an Asian guy or something. It was something crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I I literally had to politely say, well, actually the KKK could not have a worse hiring record uh, when it comes to (laughs) black people. So, so no, I'm going to pass. But, but that point of, you know, what, what will you fight for? And I did find a couple areas you know, where, you know, because I was thinking, like, if you're trying to get on Supreme Court, you don't really, you pick your battles very wisely, right? You have to be extremely strategic. You don't want to be overly controversial, go too far to the left or right, right? But I saw a couple areas where I said, okay, she fought for this. That tells me who she really is, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, so that idea of, of sort of knowing what you fight for, um, I, I like that a lot. And uh, so, yeah, fight, flight, forego, and friend. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me uh, about your journey as uh, are you a full professor at, at Rutgers now? I soon to be, soon to be, yes, soon to be. All right, all right. Well, everybody clap for that because that's very hard to do. Uh, my wife's a full professor, and that's that, and I know what she went through, and I have so much respect for that. And, and everybody should know how that that that's not a typical PhD. Right? Like the, you have the PhDs, then you have the tenured PhDs, then you have the full professors. So you're talking to a real sharp brother right here. Uh, how do you choose what to fight for? You know, in in your experience at, at, at Rutgers, and and uh, and how what's that been for you? And what what have you fought for that you're most connected to, and most proud of? Yeah, it's a great question, um, and it's something I, I like to talk to um, you know young young younger faculty people who are new to the new to the game about. You, you know, there you know there's game. There's a game that everybody has to play. Um, you have to know the rules of those games, and you got to know how those rules get bent sometimes for others. Uh, and your question is, well, why not us? Um, the, 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 the thing that has been very important to me over the years is that I stay connected to the kind of, uh, kind of work and the way that I want to do the work um, that, that I started with. I, I've always wanted to do work that was targeted at the, you know, at the betterment of the community. And for me, uh, I was thinking about you, you, you hear all the euphemisms here in a moment, right? I was thinking about urban um, urban entrepreneurship. And certainly in a lot of urban areas, we're talking about black and brown people. Um, minority entrepreneurship, African-American women entrepreneurs. That's how Dr. Bloxton and I were working on some projects looking at African-American women entrepreneurs of high growth firms. Um, and one of the things I realized along the way is that if I had a platform, um, if I had a platform to stand on, and some some kind of center or institution that would support me in doing that kind of work, then I can get I can get a lot done. Um, and so coming to Rutgers uh, after being at uh, NYU for five years was like a, a breath of fresh air because there was a professor there. So you may know her, um, D, Professor D. T. Ogilvy, yep. who uh, who was already at Rutgers and was already you know making things happen for the community. But she said, you know, your your research is interesting, and we want to build a center that addresses urban entrepreneurship and economic development. I said, well, there it is. Now we got a, now we got a platform. Now we got get some resources, which is exactly what we did. And we got resources from the government and resources from um, corporations to be able to train and, and assist and mentor uh, black and brown businesses. Um, mm. That, you know, it wasn't only for them exclusively, but yet um, many of them that, that participated in our programs were. Uh, that, 
you know, being having an ally, another black person who was about the 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 uh, you know the big picture, looking at what could be done in the community, uh, that just changed changed the whole game because yeah, now she you had the somebody. sauce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so you now you got it. So for me, every step of the way, um, you know, I've had the right people and the right platform to be able to do excellent work. Mm. And that's the difference. I know a lot of folks who are out there, and I know you know maybe you and others have experienced this. You're the one and the only one. Nobody out there trying to help you or support you. Mm -hmm. But I, I had I had Dr. Ogilvy, I had Dr. Jerome Williams, who I'm actually mm -hmm. succeeding in the Prudential Chair. Uh, I had um, you know uh, even you know some of our our white white allies, department chairs, and other folks who were really about supporting supporting me and supporting the work that we did and sometimes you know we didn't always agree but we we i could be my authentic self unapologetic and strategic now uh I, we talked sauce. about you talked about sauce <laughs> i want to i want to i want to i want to extend your little model you got there let's go strategic <laughs> authentic unapologetic and community engaged yeah, there it is right there. There it is. Right See what there. happens when you work together. <laughs> That's the special sauce. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. There you go. That is the special sauce right there. Get, get, get your trademark on it. That's my gift. That's my gift for both y'all. You can have a trademark. That's yours. That's your man. Well, you know, I, I I love this and I've enjoyed this a lot. And um, and I I just want to go ahead and publicly say if you guys want to ever. Uh, if you if you're ever doing any content or interviews or conversations and you want to use my platform, I'll be happy to share it, man. I I just really think uh, the world needs to see people like you, people like us. Um, and also, I really hope people watching will understand that, you know, I, I think this is this is the future in terms of or at least better yet. This is this is a, a huge dimension of the black male that you're not going to see on a rap album, per se. You're not going to see it necessarily you know, in some of the magazines and the media, but uh, this is where, you know, the, the, this is where your uh, thought leaders are. This is where your, uh, few, your, your millionaires or, or et cetera are. These are where your, your real power moves are. We, when I think about black faces in high places, I'm thinking about guys like you. And so I, I commend you so much uh, for your work and I wish you the best in, in all your endeavors for sure. Hey, Dr. Boyce, we appreciate your platform. We appreciate your voice. We appreciate you inviting us to be a part of this space that you've created. And you are the embodiment of the black faces and high places of which we speak. Um, you embody the sauce, brother. You got the sauce. <laughs> right. That's right. So everybody in here, type the word sauce in the chat. The sauce in the chat. That's strategic, authentic, unapologetic, and community engaged. That's we, we, want our, we need our leaders to have the sauce. We got too many sauceless leaders out here. And you know what food tastes like when they ain't got no sauce. It's bland and dry and no taste, right? So we there you go. We got that special sauce. So so uh, so everybody, thank you all for, uh, for watching the interview. The book is called Black Faces in High Places by Dr. Randall Pinkett, Dr. Jeffrey Robinson. I hope everybody will pick up a copy. I also hope you will take the time to share this interview because you don't hear conversations like this, uh, you know, all you know, all over the place, all over media. Uh, but but we need to hear this kind of thing. And also, uh, last but not least, uh, if you want to go visit my website and take a look at some of the stuff we have going on in the Black Business School, please feel free to visit BoyceWalkins.com. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. God bless you, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Take care now. Peace. All right.